Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello, welcome back to Fighting on Film. This week is going to be a little bit of a departure from regular programming. Um, as this week we're not reviewing a film, um, we are doing what we're dubbing trope-tastic. Now, we put it out on the Twitter feed a few weeks ago. So uh, these are in no particular order, and I'm sure, as always, we will have lots of uh, side chats and uh, tangents, as we always do. So kicking off uh, with loathed tropes from dr kirsten mckenzie uh, she goes with loathed tropes the drunken angry irishman not thinking of a t- certain tv series at all or jacobites as kilt clad and broadsword swinging and her example was i think that might be from the tv show outlander of some oh yeah yeah kilted chaps running with swords i mean that's a classic though isn't it as well i mean even watkins did kilted chaps with he, swords. he did didn't he yeah he did I mean, to be fair to, to Watkins, he did give, you know, them a voice. It wasn't just they charged. Yeah. No, that's that's a sad film, Killarden, isn't it? It is. It is. It's really sad. It's it's everything that War Game isn't, in a way. Mm. But yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of. I wasn't a Peaky Blind. Is that Peaky Blinders that Kirsten means? There, I've never watched it. You know, I've never I didn't actually like it. it. I've tried about four, three or four times to get into it. Everyone that I know, it's like you YouTube love it. You keeps love forcing it. clips onto me where it's like, here's, here's Killian Murphy saying something badass with that guitar yeah. riff that's like, ding, 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 like slide guitar. And I'm like, okay, now I don't need to watch Peaky Blinders because I've seen all of these scenes that none of them make sense to me. But it's always just everyone in that, all the only dialogue I ever seem to ever remember is, Thanks, Tommy. You're not Tommy. Hey, you do with Tommy Lid. It's always just like there should be. Just, there's probably a supercut somewhere. Of that. <laughs> people just just ask, just like being nice to Tommy or asking how he is. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not completely out the realms because obviously there are World War One undertones to, there are, to that yeah. show, aren't there? But yeah, there's Lewis guns in there in the first episode. I remember that. There's um, there's there's SMLEs and all sorts Lots of going on. I've seen yeah, it on the think, YouTube. Don't they? Short don't they, clips that keep getting thrust on me. Yeah, they end up having a like some doings with Oswald Mosley or something in the end, which I, I think mean, was that quite sounds interesting. Because yeah. I was like, is it because of me? I mean, we're on tangent. My God, but... we are what three minutes in and we're on a massive tangent already. I was like, well, I I already watched when the boat comes in with Mark Bolan. When yeah. it was repeated on UK history years ago, and that was like enough. That was like Peaky Blinders for its mm. day, and that's great. Like there's a Proto Blinders. Yeah, it's really good. If you haven't, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's fantastic. Right. Do seek it out. Um, it goes from the twenties up until the thirties and deals with like uh, social themes, political themes, very much Peaky right. Blinders esque. I haven't seen that either, but yeah. he ends up going to fight in the Spanish Civil War. I think. All right. Um, on the side of the the International Brigades. Does he join the boom? He does. I joined the boo. <laughs> Can't wait to do that one. I uh, know, we need to do it. Anyway, uh, moving on, trope number two comes from World War II TV's Paul Woodage. Hello, Paul. Hope you're well. Um, he goes, the big hulking bully put on his back by a smaller guy who knows unarmed combat. 
Oof. The Malingara, who no one likes, who ends up letting everyone down. Um, mm. And a tense minefield scene, usually involving someone stepping in one and the hero diffusing it around his foot before it detonates. Or in Robert Mitchum's case, throwing paving stones at them. Christ, I'm never going to get over that. The mi- the minefield trope, though, is, is huge. Oh, that's a huge one. I mean, that yeah. and we've already threatened this, but that's a whole episode of its own. Where well, we minefield just talk about minefields. Chat. We yeah. get an EOD expert on for that, right? Yeah. Oh, and we talk about minefield tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah, be yeah. brilliant. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great one. Um, if you know any, to, anyone knows anyone, yeah, I know, I know. mine experts, get them. Definitely. Get them um, going back to the first one Woody mentioned there, um, which was... Um, uh, the uh, big hulking bully put it. on his back that's by it. a smaller guy. Yeah, there's loads of that, isn't there? Like, yeah. the Dirty Dozen, where um, Marvin drops... Uh, but I was getting confused there because I when it when they said big hulking bully, I thought you meant like a piggyback. So I was thinking, um, I no, was thinking of oh, wild Jesus geese. God, no, no, but now, what? but now I realise it means put on his back, like laid out, like punched. Marvin, um, famously drops Franco in that yeah you know, the first time they meet. Um, there's a, there's yeah. a, I think it's the Devil's Brigade, where there's um there's a, one a there big, yeah a big dude that gets dropped by um the sergeant, uh. Jack, is it Jack Watson? They, well, they redo that trope in the Dirty Dozen sequels, like every movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every Dirty Dozen sequel is <laughs> the same tropes thing. on tropes <laughs> on tropes, isn't it? Um, I like the Malingara who no one likes, who ends up letting everyone down. I mean, that's an uh, that's an early Upham. Um, it is proto that's Upham. Upham. Um, yeah, but it, I mean, you can flip that on its head, and you got Hook in Zulu. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Who's a Malingara and comes good? Yeah famously woefully misrepresented in that movie so much so that his oh, yeah. family walked yeah. out of the premiere yeah exactly yeah you know i mean when that's, we, when that's we a trope in itself Zulu, yeah that's a trope isn't it misrepresenting sure. actual mm. people badly that done been done yeah. a few times will, will it be done in napoleon who knows that's come out today that trailer oh yeah that trailer yeah. is interesting isn't it people it, are seething because he fired a cannon at the sphinx and it never happened apparently it, well, it didn't. Like that's the big myth, no. isn't it? Like if I if I is the cannon at the Sphinx's nose, and that's why it hasn't got yeah. a face. I'm surprised no one's done a joke in Napoleon mashup yet. It'll happen. Give this is what time. you get when you exile a French emperor. <laughs> what else have we got? And then we had a tense minefield scene. Favorite one is is uh is Anzio because it's so absurd. That can't be your favorite though. I mean, you've got. It is because um, I'd never seen it before, and I. I you've got I Kelly's Heroes. It. That's like the. That's great. The, the yeah. most tense. I mean, every every that, film. I don't seems like that terrible. scene. That's the scene that that kills the movie dead for me a little bit. In Kelly's Heroes. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Because um, it's just a bit absurd. Yeah, could have been. We did talk about this in in our um, discussion of it in the past, haven't we? Mm. About, mm. about how that mind minefield scene kind of like. They could have gone around that easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get the feeling like that. That there's there's a wall right there. Just walk along the wall. <laughs> yeah. You know. So that I think we talked about that in our in our episode with it with Peter Caddick Adams. It's the, it's the mm. one the one thing that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we have uh, Tom W. He goes with the bit where a vastly outnumbered company doesn't surrender straight off the bat to a load of mercs, firing a vicar's upside down. And hand loading Brens a small fry compared to the above. Oh, Tom, I know what that. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. There. <laughs> CGV Adamville um, for anyone who, yes, hasn't, caught, yes. <laughs> who hasn't picked um, up on that one. <laughs> yeah, Tom always loves mentioning that one. Um, I mean that film is is I enjoy it for what it is. I it's I, cracker. We, we yeah, both enjoyed it. We talked we talked about that pretty early on in the pod. One of uh, um, one of Netflix is like I was pleasantly surprised with how well done it was. And I know yeah. there's some weird bits in there. You, you, when you famously like it, um, went and did a, a whole day of on a range. Yeah, Rich and I, of, you know, the Vickers right. Machine Gun Collection and Research Association got so river county about that one scene in the film that we literally went to a range with a brain gun. And, and yes, and tested the practical accuracy of it. Um, and we found that it was, you know, I can't yeah. wait to do my baking tray pl- armor plate testing <laughs> based entirely on, 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 <laughs> on, a, a, on, on one the scene, scene from, from, Mac, uh, from Phoenix, Phoenix Nights, Nights. About 2002. <laughs> <laughs> is this bulletproof, Max? No, greaseproof. Oh my god, amazing. 
very funny. Though. And then uh, Adrian Wheel, he and this, and I may have to read some of these out because it, it, I was amazed when these came out. Uh, when he messaged them us, uh, when, he, when he put them in the thread, he put these are the ones that pissed me off in fury, um, and they are two <laughs> like word documents <laughs> worth. And I'll read a few <laughs> out, and we'll be here for a while. Paragraphs. It's fantastic, and they're so in depth that I love them. Um, so he goes, the replacement crewman is not really a soldier, but a clerk typist who has been in the army for eight weeks, has never seen combat and is something of an idealist. See Same Project Ryan and Black Hawk Down for more or less the same character. I think Upham type people mm-hmm. really get get to people, I think. Yeah, but, but they intended to. Yeah, it took me years That's to work I'm... out why Upham is the way that he is, because he's meant to be us. He's meant to be the viewer. That's yeah. how I've always seen it. Mm, like, I can see that. Yeah, it, but he's, so he's, bloody he's out of the situation. He's not been he we're, like in these war films. You're you're picking up someone's career because if, or, or someone's vocation. If you're a soldier, I mean, you know, you don't you don't become a soldier lightly. In, in, in yeah, you jumped into you dropped into the experience, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. So it, it's the whole thing of they are meant to be us, and I always think him not doing killing when he should and him not saving people when he should in that movie is he's he he's the only one with a conscience mm. he's showing how actually hard it is to take a life but anyway that's a discussion for another day um now we have uh brad's surviving crew comprised of three stock war movie characters a christian <laughs> fundamentalist gunner quite well played by shia LaBeouf as it happens a latino driver and a southern redneck loader they're all completely different yet they love and respect each other presumably through shared experience same project run again they could have substituted the jewish soldier for latino to maintain the same cliche level i, I love the casting of of fury i just gotta say it <laughs> Think it's yeah, no, I do too. Great. And uh, I mean, that is a trope within itself, casting those disparate characters and having them all come together, which yeah. is kind of, you know, based on reality of war, etc. And that's what that is what happens. But you also see that in, in films like Hamburger Hill uh, and lots of other um, Vietnam yeah. War movies where you see, well, I mean, even The Way Ahead, you take disparate group of people, force them yeah, together. Yeah, correctly, the other way ahead. Yeah, that's and, very and, true. Actually. And you know, that's a load. That's a, that is that is a trope of its own. Definitely. I mean, we we can't mention we can't mention a final film episode without talking about nine men, but it does exact same thing. All those men are very much forties cliches. That won't be the first, and it won't be the last. But <laughs> it won't be. Um, and then, so, just round off quickly. Um, and I know this one annoys a lot of people. Um, Adrian and and I. I do understand. Um, Brad and the guys end up hopelessly defending a crossroads from their crippled tank against a quote-unquote battalion, actually more like a big company of fanatical Waffen-SS troops. The SS baddies are astonishingly tactically naive, despite superior Mm. firepower and get their asses handed to them, but ultimately fresh-faced new boy is the only survivor amongst the goodies, i.e. saving Private Ryan. Yep. Yep. I mean, you see, the thing about battalion sizes in films is you're paying extras aren't you and yeah when you put those like when i i thought it was fairly impressive that they they put that many guys yeah um into the shots uh in that and yeah it's, I mean, it is just like a it was company. fanatical on how much he actually wanted in that movie so there's a reason mm. why that has so much mm. stuff in it because he was a real kid he's an alley tally lover basically he loves yeah, essentially yeah um, yeah you know there was things that I mean, I know we went to the Fury Experience with some really great chats and talks on the day. Um, but I think um, David Willey That's mentioned your episode on that. If you haven't listened to it, yes, please do. Um, in one of the talks, he mentioned that there was there is things in the movie that they had to really talk air out of showing because they're like, it might be cool, but there's no need for it. Don't need it. So, yeah. so there was Wasn't a, few a field things... kitchen. Didn't he want to like show oh, an yeah, entire field like kitchen? Whole, or something he like wanted that. like a whole kitchen <laughs> and and like you know, people showing people doing laundry and things like that. And they were like, look, it's it would be great, but there's budget to think about um yeah and, and, I, and also storytelling yeah and i'll save it for the fury episode but i think personally i think fury I mean, it might irk some it might ruffle some feathers but i think fury is how you make a very competent mid-budget war movie or a or in any way a mid-budget film these days because mm. it's a very that's a very rare thing now um the the movies i mean i know it, sony pictures had issues around it because it got leaked and whatever but um that for me, that movie is like almost the last of a, br- a dying breed of films we don't get anymore, but pre streaming. Mm. Yeah. I have a very interesting theory about Fury and how it actually is the last of a thing. 
But anyway, but I get why that ending annoys people because obviously a disabled tank, you might you might hit it with a, pan, a couple of Panzerfausts or whatever and, and walk off. You might just walk past it <laughs> more probably more often than not. You wouldn't bat an eye. But it's a great ending to the movie, isn't it, regardless? It's beautifully shot. And I always say this, it's really beautifully shot. And you know what? It's the biggest trope of all. It's the last stand. It is. It's a lot. It, yeah, it becomes a last stand movie, which is another thing yeah. I love about Fury. Um, we should do that very soon. It's a very good film, I think. Um, anyway, moving on. Alistair Martin says, the typing pool clerk who has to learn to become a killer transformational yes. arc. How Back to it? Fury. Back to Fury. <laughs> Back to David Private Ryan as well. Because... Yeah. It yeah. is the Arpham episode, isn't it? It <laughs> truly is. so many like, people. fuck them, but yeah. We um, need to get that actor on. We need to get him on for In Conversation. Oh, that'd be great, actually, yeah. Being Arpham he does a great job. Film. He really, really does. He makes you fucking loathe him and, and be like, why are you doing this? And then he makes yeah. you think. And that's, you know, that's a skill. Yeah. And he, he does kill Steamboat, will he? Which is very cathartic at the end of that film. It's a very uh, his arc's great. It's quite an arc. It it really it is, is I mean, quite an arc. The the guy in Fury doesn't have his typewriter with him. Um, no, he doesn't. No. Um, no, which is a shame. Um, the, the pen the pencil bit is really great. I love oh that. yeah, 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 that is good. You get you get very rare Tom Hanks. I used to do comedy film look. <laughs> you don't, you yeah. don't get eighties, eighties, early nineties Hanks, Hanks comedy film. Yeah. Look. yeah, yeah. He somehow made us all forget that he started off in comedy. <laughs> I mean, he's got funny bits in his films, though, doesn't he? So he, has, he but like, Tom can they've do done, They've done a good job masking the fact he was a comedy actor. Anyway, I mean, have you ever seen the movie Dragnet with Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, that's oh, great. So good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A good film. It's so stupid, but I love it. I like the the money pit. I like him buying mm-hmm. a house. That's funny. Um, then we have uh, Campbell goes with the pregnant girlfriend slash married after this trip death sentence. Oof! Never say that in a war film. Never say that in any film, regardless. Anzio, Anzio, yeah, Anzio. The, anyone, yeah. anyone who looks. I was talking to Lauren about this, my, uh, my partner, and whenever someone has a girlfriend at home or tells someone about having a girlfriend at home or yeah. looks at a photograph of someone of a girlfriend, yeah, at home, they do it in a uh, Hamburger Hill. The guy that gets the Dear John, oh, dear, dear John, there. dear John, yeah, that's it. Dear, yeah gets yeah. a dear John, and then he's he's gone in a few few scenes later. Yeah, it, it, that is one of the single most prevalent um, tropes mm-hmm. of any war movie. Well, like, never say you want to like cruise the boulevard in your brand new Corvette or something. <laughs> well, it, it's it's on par with like you know retiring in a cop movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're you're a dead man as soon as you said as soon as you get that retirement note through, you're you're dead. But yeah, that is one of the the most prevalent. We had that in Anzio the yep. week. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, and Anzio is like getting a beating. <laughs> uh, Siri Thomas echoes the same sentiment where he goes after the war. Mate, and I are going to move to Eastbourne and open a tea shop. Dead in the next scene. Fuel slash ammo quantity is only ever an issue if the plot requires it. That's very yeah. true, actually. Battle of the Bulge. Whole film is about about uh, Kessler trying to get to some fuel. I noticed that reloads were a common one that were mentioned in in the yeah, thread. They are. Um, yeah, you know people never reloading. Where Eagles Dare. Where Eagles Dare. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, there's a very little bit of reloading in the Wild Geese. There's but barely any in that. Oh no, there's a really nice bit where there's um, the great where um, Hardy Kruger reloads. Kruger's uh, reload when he's got when he's got. Yeah. Uh, Got um, um, the, the prison on his back. Yeah. Prison on his back. Oh, so good. <laughs> Slapping that mag in. Oh, something sexual about that. Beautiful. Um, Why isn't there a gif of that? Hot, hot reload action. That'd be our OnlyFans, wouldn't it? It'd just be gifs of reloads. That would be it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes with British officers in American films are usually incompetent upper class twits. I mean, Banner Brothers does that to a T for me. Yeah. That um, that tanky too far. officer. Yeah, bridge too far as well. That does it. Oh Christ, mm. yeah. Same. It's the same thing, isn't it? I just realised uh, that Bridge over the River Kwai. Yeah, Bridge over the River Kwai does that a lot. Yeah, kind of looks down on um, Alec Guinness's character, don't they? Mm-hmm. As, as being like insanely mm. <laughs> stiff upper lip. I like I because I that's why I like Yesterday's Enemy because it doesn't have that trope in it. Mm. It has, you know, Stanley Baker is some is a sort of you you think he's worked his way up from the ranks, even though he's a tiny bit clipped. But he doesn't seem like he was like a career officer, but he's got all these clipped people around him. That are sort of he's subverting that. I really like. I really like that one. And if anyone hasn't seen that, I that's another it. mini trope. Um, 
I can't think of any examples of it off the top of my head, but people proving themselves to posher upper class offices. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. There's a I few. Mean, yeah, there is. And no, I can't There's think. subtext. There's it's subtext tricky. there. And then he ends with any film with Cage is shite. <laughs> any film, Sari. Sari any hates. Film. You heard it here first. Any Sarah, film. Sari does Nicolas not Cage. like Nicolas Cage. What about, what about Lords of War? Lord yeah, that's good. I like that one. It's not bad for that. Yeah, I mean, he's I, a bit insufferable in it. But I don't, you know. I tongue in cheek enjoy Wind Talkers, but it is trash, you know. I, uh, Cage isn't the worst thing in that film. That's the worst no, thing. It's not. <laughs> Christian Slater's paper mache head is. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Getz goes with, again, goes with the soldier who receives a letter to the fiance is going to be dead. Um, then Classic. Stephen O'Neill, and this was dissent among the ranks listeners, and I I, I was in control of the uh, the Twitter that, on the day this went out, and he said, um, petit peu, which is a reference to nine it's not men. A trope. It's not, not a trope, trope, but I put that bit. I not defy be... anyone to show me another instance <laughs> where Umpity Poo is used in a film in a trope like manner. <laughs> I put that he I put that better not be nine men slander in the ranks. And then well, Ian, I mean, perhaps he's referring to like stiff upper lip. I think that know, might be it. It's it, core type stuff. But that bled into it, doesn't it? it? That bleeds into every maybe every 50s, 60s British film that there is some sort of stiff upper lip in there anyway. Ian McKellen now goes with radar screens that make a bleep noise when the plot appears on the PPI screen. Radar screens that only show one plot and zero clutter. Nobody cleans their weapon. Every wound needs a tourniquet. And POW camps only showing officer prisoners. That's true. That is true. Um, I feel like I feel like he has a personal thing with the radar um, from oh, personal yeah. experience. I think it's ex Ian's ex RAF. I think so. He is. Yeah. Definitely. There were a lot. There were a few more. Um, few more radar type ones but i i didn't know any of that about radars so now that's, that's useful to know well i mean perhaps we need to have um ian on for an episode where we talk about radar in war movies yeah radar roundup yeah. um ad bonds goes with four blade spitfires for any battle of britain stuff yeah yeah what you think, um, yeah spitfires in place of hurricanes yeah yeah agreed yeah <laughs> um isn't isn't you reusing Battle of Britain footage a trope as well? Because well, yeah, loads of films do it, and they still and do also, it. Also, also uh, mosquito footage from um, sixty three squadron. Yes, yes, uh, or mosquito squadron, one or the other, and one bombing, way around. And the bombing of Hamburg, uh, bomb dropping footage being used quite a lot. I've seen that a lot of times, either colorized yeah. or not. It's used in Memphis Bell as well. Mm. Then we have uh, two soldiers who dislike each other um, f- from Brian Williams. This is he goes with the other, um, the recruit who passes around a photo of his girl back home. That's quite a prevalent one from everyone. Uh, then we have two soldiers who dislike each other, but who become friends after uh, friends under fire. One of whom will die in the other's arms. Uh, Legionnaire with uh, John Claude Van Damme has a little bit of that going on. It does. Yeah. I mean, well, Geese does it, don't they? I mean, they kind of subvert that where. Yeah, yeah, Kruger doesn't like the president. Kruger's character. But then um but then they come to to like each other. Yeah, that that whole grudging um appreciation mm. kind, of, kind of thing is I feel I, w- I want to say I feel like Long and Short on the Tool has that in it. But, but not the, that not the cradling each other, they just grow to respect each other when they're gonna get attacked. Zulu? I want to say that's in there. Zulu, definitely Zulu. Richard yeah. and Bromhead. A few minutes of history now. He goes with snooty British officers. Um, quote unquote, I'm glad I died for my country. Um, every Englishman being from London, dreadful berets and NCO back chatting officers. Dreadful berets doesn't doesn't, doesn't seem possible. <laughs> every um, beret in every film is fantastic. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've got I've got a few examples of that one actually. Um, Ch- Chard in Zulu uh, for the officer being yep. uh, rather clipped and um, an officer and a gentleman type. Um, yeah. Well, that's more classism than anything else, I think. It's well, not... of course it is, dear boy. Um, Anson in Ice Cold. Anything David Niven did, war-related. Yes. He yes. was playing David Niven. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, but away from like the, the English gentleman trope, you've got like a broader trope of, of just officers and commanders that are, that are portrayed as like stand-up dudes. Yeah, like, it's nothing. Um, yeah, they they can't like do the same role. In in Greyhound, you get the feeling that that Hanks's character is, is you know he's a, he's a good chap. 
Yeah, he's an all-round um, slugger. Yeah, he's a great yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mel yeah. Gibson does the same thing with Hal Moore in We Were Soldiers. There's a plethora of that one. The every the every Englishman coming from London thing. I think that's an Ealing Studio thing. <laughs> like everyone, mm. that's almost like they mirror each other. So you got the snooty people are like your main actors, and then everyone else underneath them is like your Percy Herberts and your yes. Everyone's salt. Everyone below the captain is salt of the earth. <laughs> yeah, essentially. All right, Gov. I'll stand here forever and fight the Jimmies. It's always like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then, but that feeds into my thing. The entirety where... of Zulu, you mean? But yeah, but it's Welsh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That that feeds which famously, into my... like it, it wasn't a, a Welsh regiment at the time. So no. um... Yeah. Exactly. Weird, isn't it? But that feeds into my thing of every kid in in like British media is a little oik from London. Oh, very true. Yeah, very true. Personified by those kids in the Universal Soldier when they're picking up their um, small arms. Is that a real gun? Is that a real gun, Mister? <laughs> maybe, maybe when we do uh, Hope and Glory, that might be different. But I think even I think then they're in London, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah, because the, the, the balloon comes down, don't they? And the Home Guard come and shoot it. And they go, "Oh, it's ruined our fan." Well, oh, Christian Bale. <laughs> Is it Christian? No, it's not Christian Bale, is it? It's not. Uh, surprising. surprising. Whatever yeah. that film's called. Cry through the sky. Can't look at the sky. That's that it. One. That's it, yeah. Because that one doesn't do it, does it? The Christian Bale one. He's quite clipped in that. He is. Well, he's supposed to be, um, I think he's a banker's son in that, yeah. isn't he? Or a merchant's son. Like they... He's definitely very posh. This is a good one from Bill 1940 Medal Campaign. Grenades that explode with the power of the Hiroshima bomb. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, There's a lot of that in Wind Talkers. Like, Wind Talkers made that. I think what happened is John Woo on that film went, I'd, I'd like some pyro for some hand grenades. And the, the pyro guy just turned around and said, no worries, John, I got you. Yeah. And he went no, off he saw... and just used the largest fuel-based explosion he could. I always envisage it as a, envisage it as a the, the, the pyro guy made a very realistic explosion. And Woo turned around like... Um, uh, Kylo Ren in in Star Wars and just went more, more. <laughs> That's what that movie feels like. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, but that is true. Like I, I always think that that our our sort of like cultural touchstone for grenades is that they go off really big, but they don't really. They don't know. No. I mean, it depends on the type of grenade. Um, yeah, like blast grenades more so than others. Mm. But I mean, another thing is then... like when people get shot. They don't just crumple into a heap. They like get thrown back and like you put their arms up and all oh, that. Oh, that is a good trope, actually. Yeah, like yeah. when people when people do super dramatic deaths from <laughs> like that one from Operation Overlord, where he does the whole, <laughs> the whole... Oh, that the way does he jig before he falls over. <laughs> yeah, Christ, we need he to does do like that. a tap dance before he dies. But that's next that's year, a good one. Next though. year for D Day, Rob, big anniversary. Next big anniversary, we're going to do we're going to do Operation Overlord. Yeah, we should. We'll do an overlord month. We could we could do a D-Day month. That's enough oh, to do. Easily, easily. Um, then we have uh, one which is very true and prevalent, and it is a fault of cinema, really. An almost complete absence of absence of Canadians and Anzacs. Well, I think there's more Australian uh, representation in war movies than there is Canadian. Barely any. Yeah, I mean, Devil's Brigade is about the only Devil's Brigade. There's a there's a film, a made for TV film, um, about Canadian convoy crews. Okay. Um, it was made in the nineties, but that you'd have to you'd have to yeah. I had to track that down when I heard about it. I can't there's no Dieppe film, is there? No, um, there should be. No, there is. There's a Dieppe series, wasn't there? A TV series in the nineties as well. It? Yeah, there is, yeah. Um wow. well if because if I don't say it, Alex Bowers or or on this day in Canadian history will will tell put us straight on this. So we have to be right. <laughs> um because you know, th- there is some good historians out there at the moment doing what media should have done years ago is show all these interesting battles. Where's your Tona movie? Come on. Yeah. Well, imagine a Monte Cassino film where you get everyone has a little troop of, you know, you show some Poles, show some Brits. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. You know, just 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 sort of like Commonwealth or free nation representation would be nice in war films. I mean, I know, they, I know there's it this would. Polish one coming out, isn't there, that, that caught some flack online a few a few months back. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, everyone looks at like production stills of films and goes, well, that's that doesn't look yeah. great, does it? But like, they did it with Napoleon. They did when it came out, yeah. um, but no, I do agree with you there, Bill. Um, a big absence of other nations that aren't British or American. I think that as well that boils down to film industry and how much money you've got. 
to put into mm. projects as well mm. um, and the notoriety you can gain um by doing so anyway uh liam patrick goes with um he, again he goes with no british or other nations or in american war films um the hero being the only one to have good ideas while everyone is stupid inept or unknowledgeable um and then he goes national stereotypes like the british tank scene in, in banner brothers um and then i guess slash, yeah david mcnay uh, mentions um scotsman always being drunks that's true yeah yeah, that's that's yeah. There's a lot of horrible stereotyping going on. There is stereotypes are very prevalent in a lot of 50s, 60s war movies, um, and they continue to be a little bit, don't they? But yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Hicks goes with the why, why the insanity guy. <laughs> oh my god! I for some reason when you read that, I I the Bill Nye the Science Guy theme flashed through my head. Why, why the insanity guy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, the classic one of that is the um, the blonde chap in Waterloo, where he pops out the, the pops out yeah. the, the infantry square with his shako in one hand and his musket in the other, and he's like, "Why?" Yeah. why? And then he gets killed by a karate or something. Yeah, they do that really early in Saving Private Ryan without doing it, without saying it. Where um, uh, Miller has the sort of uh, been shell been hit by the shell near him and he is the ringing in his ears and he's looking around at all these little cliched moments of men getting shot and the guy picking up his own arm i feel like that's the that's the bit in that like that, they bit. Do that, I think bit. that it's powerful. good but i feel like it's the it's the movie going war isn't very nice is it it's that whole bit oh oh so that was that was spielberg going war's not very nice but now enjoy the next 20 minutes of lads like killing people i feel basically. like that's what that is i yeah, do feel okay, like that enough. is that yeah I feel like the whole that whole opening sequence is to remind you of how mm-hmm. like horrible war is for half an oh. hour until it completely changes the movie that it is. Um, yeah, yeah, it's totally, interesting. Totally how, that movie is wild. How much of a tonal shift that that happens in like ten minutes is that amazing. That film goes from being like just shock to a road movie to a <laughs> last stand. Yeah. In so many hard turns, it's wild. It's A, B, and C, but B is t- a tiny little B, and A and C are huge. <laughs> um, old actor Giles Pocklington goes with old actors playing young soldiers, e.g. Van de Voort was 27, John Wayne was in his 50s. Kind of like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. You get a lot of that. I mean, um, yeah. there's so many old actors playing roles that were definitely young men. Definitely, um, yeah. Again, struggling to think of them off the top of my head, but like, goddamn, there are so many of them. <laughs> you get brain block, you get mental. You block. really do. We've you done really like 150 do. odd movies nearly on this show, oh, yeah. and I, I sometimes I forget what we've done and what we haven't done. So I will rewatch a movie and going, oh, this greatest film's great. We're still on the show, and Matt always goes, oh, <laughs> we've done it. We did it like two years ago. I'll just <laughs> like, drop you the what? link. Yeah. exactly it's like well you'll be you'll oh, be you'll love this podcast about rob <laughs> yeah this reviewer called oh Maguire, he, he had some thoughts i sh- i think sometimes we should just record the episode without we like without like one of us telling the other and then find out if our opinions have changed that's really bad you should do that <laughs> yeah when, when like a reality series does a where are they now thing or what happened what happened after revisiting episode oh my God, yeah do that yeah do that uh kieran taylor um, and this, I think this is prevalent to history, historiography as well, not just war films, where he says every German tank being a tiger and then the characters going on about the sounds of the 88s. That's a mm. very cult, that's a very cultural social thing. Isn't it, it is, it is. Every, every yeah. panther is a tiger and every tiger is a panther. Yeah, exactly. Everything's a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, um, every uh, armored vehicle is a panzer kind yeah. of thing. But you can yeah. understand where it comes from. I mean, you see it in after action reports, war diaries, and all sorts. It just it's just the the way of yeah. talking about armored vehicles, doesn't it? It's yeah, that whole thing of Kane took out two tigers on his own in Arnhem. It's like no, they were stugs. <laughs> like, they were definitely I mean, SPGs, and that's no mean feat. And it and this is the exactly whole thing. when you say that, like no, it didn't like you're not you're not like belittling what he did. Yeah, you just because like, like, this is my whole yeah. thing. It's like what. Mm. It's not easy to do that anyway. It's not easy to take out an armored fighting vehicle on your own. No, I wouldn't want to take on a stug. With a P at point blank range. I mean, they're just as dangerous as a tiger to an infantryman, yeah, let's face it. Exactly. And because it, 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 this is this is a bigger discussion, but it it takes away what people do when they engage any armored fighting vehicle in, in anything, whether you're in a tank, a scout car, 
on your own with a peer or a bazooka or whatever. It's almost like we're saying, oh, well, it was easy then because it wasn't this mythical yeah. tank. Yeah. It's like bollocks. It's it's hard. <laughs> like it's really, you know, you've got tons of metal and a, and a gun, with, you know, with a gun attached to it coming at you. Fury is that, isn't it? There's no other, there's no other tanks in Fury that are, they is tigers, isn't it? That's another trope as well, or a sort of half-truth mythology where it goes, you just swarm a tiger with like 10 Shermans and you kill it that way. And it's like, do you? Do you really? I'd like to see that. That's as, that's as history as we've ever gotten on the show. And that was another one. Darren Scarry echoed the same, where he said every fucking German artillery piece is an 88 and every German soldier has an MG42. Again, yeah, every have German... done that. Oh, that, that feeds into that classic trope of every German soldier is armed with an MP40 and he's wearing, if it's cold, he's wearing his great coat. And if it's not cold, he's wearing like pristine field grau. The Feldgrau um, uniform. I fucking yeah. love that trope. I love that. Yeah. Even in. He's got an MP40 with uh, with uh, K98K pouches. Yes. I love that trope. That's one of my favorite tropes. People having this. And that, it's, it's, it's like a really Kelly's hero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Any fucking 60s thing, there. usually. I love it. I love seeing. I'm like, it's great. Where's, where's his pouches? But I'm like, where, where's his extra mags? Where are they? Same always... with Thompsons, like Thompson's US guys, well. Thompsons with their Garand pouches, but that you know they aren't they're running around with a Thompson. It's... That was one of the few things in Anzio that I liked. The lads had Thompson pouches. That was good. Yeah, well, well done, Anzio. Well done, Anzio. Did something right. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello there. Sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. There we have uh, Sir Fattius Pauper. Some some great Twitter names, guys. Um, token Brit to be slow, snobby, unnecessarily callous, making tea. People, mm-hmm. I've got to clear this up, right? It's not like 30 cores fault that they were slow. It's, it's not. They were worried about getting absolutely wrecked before they got in to help the paratroopers. <laughs> I've got to clear that up. Like, it's... It's not fair. What this is another thing we need to talk about on the show. What do you mean that the bridge too far isn't a fully accurate movie? (laughs) Exactly. But this, I think, this is where it comes into because when we cover a bridge too far, Rob, we're we're really going to lay it. We've already done it. it Val. Oh God, of course we have. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the whole thing that war movies do, and it it is a it lends itself into a wider discussion again. But that whole thing of stopping having tea was so prevalent and still is and it's because of a bridge too far it's because of banner brothers they're really hammering it home that you have to blame someone it's this whole blame culture around arnhem that i find and i research it we always feel like we have to blame someone for it i know it's the Mm. british's fault because they stopped well what happens when you get to the bridge can you keep that corridor open with a dwindling amount of resources it's a tough ask anyway so one tank stopping at one bridge isn't the issue with that operation it's yeah. it's a real hell mary thing anyway but it is funny that that always comes up before we move off of that one we've got to talk about tea got to tea is a good tea is a heavy it's trope constant isn't it it's like there's there's a good stream every decade has a, a classic brewing up tea sequence Goes too far brown it's sean connery you think all this can be alleviated yeah. with a cup of tea great line yeah. fantastic um, steel bayonet where Pepsi you're against Batman, 
Come, yeah. Comes out with a cup of tea. Cup of yeah. tea, ah, and gets killed. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Crawl C, tea in nice little mm-hmm. enamel mugs. Yeah, nice little china yeah. mugs in that. That's nice. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of it in... Um, I'm trying to think of the exact World War One movie where there's where there's a, a, a tea sequence. Oh, Journey's End. Yeah, Journey's End is the one that came to me first, but I think there's also that. I mean, it, it's kind of, it kind of is still it's Journey's End, but the um, Ace is High as well. Yeah, yeah, very true. Do that in that one. Yeah, tea, but tea is again, it's a cultural touchstone, isn't it? Something that we all it is. It totally is. Um, guzzle the stuff. I feel like in Greyhound, someone brings brings him a cup of tea as well. Oh, it's coffee. No, it's coffee. It's American. It's oh, okay. coffee. Um, the guy, again, the guy with the dog, the wife who gets married is killed. Um, mm-hmm. And then a stalwart, reliable NCO played by Sean Bean who sticks it to the Ruperts. I'll whisper it. I've still not seen much sharp. Shocking. Absolutely boring. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Quintessential 90s ITV programming that you have not watched. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Langdon goes with the least favourite RAF pilots with posh boy accents. Yeah, I've got to agree there. Um, and then most favourite, every NCO is furious, always. Always. The way ahead. Um, Guns of Batazi. Yeah, Guns of Batazi. Oh, Christ, yeah. We should have like NCO offs maybe one day. Oh, totally. That, that's Rate definitely a format that we should explore. Yeah, films yeah. Because um, I think that Richard Attenborough's, uh, I forget the, the guy's name in it, Christ, the, the actual character's name. Um, but him in that and then uh, The Way Ahead's, I played Doctor Who. Well, his, his name's Fletcher in that, but it's... Um... And William Hartnell, him and Attenborough. You'd be polishing your buttons and pulling your boots when they told you, Christ. You would. I mean, and then you've got um, Sergeant Bourne in Zulu. Brilliant NCO portrayal of going from fairly quiet and measured to mm. really boring. Jumping off the back of that, one of my favourites is the veteran instructor. Fletcher uh, in The Way Ahead. Uh, Watson in Nine Men. Mm-hmm. Um, similar sort of thing. Gunny Highway in Heartbreak yeah. uh, Ridge. Sandy, um, Sandy from Wild Geese. Sandy and Wild Geese, Sergeant Plumley and We Were Soldiers. Oh yeah, some great ones. Um, yeah, has a bit of in, bit, a little bit of it going on. Um, See, what I noticed there is a through line of being played by like beloved character actors. You're right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like Percy Herbert was robbed of of his chance to do oh, that. Was. I'm sure he did it somewhere. We've just not covered it yet. And that is a good shout. I mean, it it's possible. Yeah. Uh, Bill Hall goes with, for movies showing the Canadians, the formation always has one French Canadian, one First Nation soldier, people who are polite, self-effacing, but competent. And that mm-hmm. that's, feeds into um, Canadian stereotypes there. In uh, the very few Canadian war movie portrayals. Again, yeah, not very many. Um, uh, then we have uh, James uh, Cooper goes with The Bridge Too Far. Uh, Artillery Barrel, Chasing the Woods, is about the only film that shows German medics. 99% of films show mm. Germans dying when instantly when shot, yet allies have a far higher percentage of wounded when hit. That's very true, actually. Yeah. It's interesting. That had never really occurred to me. But no, yeah, that's very fair. Sense. If you're German infantryman number five running into shot, yeah. you're getting downed. But yet if you're... Mm-hmm. If your Bren Gunner assistant named actor number two, I'm thinking of uh, Steel Bayonets here, mm-hmm, you, can, mm-hmm. you can take a round, but you can valiantly take on more Jerry's before you're downed. That's very true, actually. Yeah. 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 Never thought about that, Trey. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one. That's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, what about the good German? Yeah, there's a few. That's that's yeah. one of my faves. Um, Stalingrad subverts that, though. Got to admit. It does. It does, mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, you've got... Um, Cole Lutz in Ice Cold. Yeah. 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 Uh, you've got the Italian chap in Sahara. Yes. Yeah. I've got, I've got um, about him. Crikey. Yeah. We'll have to do Sahara soon. That's a great one. Yeah. It is great. Uh, we've kind of got uh, Kruger in uh, Richard Remagen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, the, the criteria for The Good German kind of floats a little bit. There's the film The Good German. With George Clooney. I have not seen it. <laughs> I think that might just be the name of it. <laughs> it's just coming to my head because you said good German. That's all I can think about. <laughs> but it's basically, you know, like... The, no, it is. It's the, true, yeah. The, 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 it subverts the, the evil, mm. you know, bad guy um, yeah. character into being someone that is relatable. Sometimes it's through interaction with the allies or sometimes it's through the character mm. being depicted as noble, such as, you know, with Kruger. Um, yeah. 
you get that a little bit in a few a few different films. He's a good German as well, but also, I mean, it's also perhaps a argument to be made that anyone who's portrayed to be in the Hitler Youth is an innocent party. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's an interesting coerced. scene in Downfall, isn't there, where he berate the the wounded German soldier berates a group of Hitler Youth that are manning yeah. an AA gun. Again, it's an eighty-eight. Um, yes. Why the hell some Hitler Youth would be manning an eighty-eight? I don't know. I know, right? Um, <laughs> they failed um, to show all the Volkstone running off in that movie as well. But no, I can yeah, I can understand where you're coming from with that. Um, yeah, because it's because like Jojo Rabbit, like it portrays them yeah. as like they're innocent it's children. It's an interesting depiction of um, Hitler Youth in Richard Remagen, isn't it? Where mm. um, the young boy that works at the hotel opens yes. fire on the 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 Americans with an MP40 from the mm. from the window. Blameless. It kind of just portrays him as like child thrust into war kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, it's always that children are always used in that thing that's an interesting yeah track, like with um that's similar to uh full metal jacket oh yeah the, yeah, the, young, the young girl at the end that joker young kills Vietnamese sniper <laughs> yeah that's interesting um see these tangents are quite quite we get quite deep when we want to then we have ian anderson let's not forget the guy who cracks under pressure but then composes and redeems himself of that mental break by performing some miraculous or superhuman feat saving his comrades um, example, Johan from Des- Das Boot, but I'm sure there are more. I just can't think of any others right now. See, it's hard thinking of the examples. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I, um, I was a bit mean to the listeners where I was like, please provide an example. Um, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, come back to Upham, it kind of that kind of subverts that trope in an interesting mm. way almost. Yeah, I know where that one's coming from. Oh, Christ. I've watched so many war films, I can't remember. I feel I feel like that, that, that last ever Michelin web sketch where they did the... Sherlock Holmes when they were old and he's like I can't remember anymore what's oh god he's like I've solved so many crimes it's, that's, that's the most like the most poignant sad way to end the sitcom ever but I feel like that right now I've seen so many war films I can't remember well, that's how we'll end the show when we finally finish oh my god yeah when we've finally done the last war film the lights are going out Matthew and I can't quite turn them back on again the mic's turning <laughs> off Rob <laughs> The Zoom account's running out, Matthew. I can't quite renew it. <laughs> Patreon doesn't exist in 2073. <laughs> These hologram pods are killing us, Matt. <laughs> Keep telling you, we need to we need to invest. In the... Oh, my God. <laughs> Crikey. Steve BG, again, goes with guns that never run out of ammo and Germans who can't hit targets. I mean, agreed. They, 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 they become yeah. stormtrooper-esque shots, don't they, whenever they need to. I mean, to. I always wondered whether um, Lucas was subverting that trope with the stormtroopers not being able to hit anything a little bit. I always thought it was because of their helmets, because they can see fuck all. We'll have to ask him when he comes on. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have a stock on the blaster, do they? They don't. If they deployed the Stelling, I mean the E-11's stock, <laughs> then they'd have a You mean the Blastec E-11, that's what you mean? I did, I just said E-11. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, they'd have a much better chance of, of uh, hitting the yeah. target they're aiming at. Because the, the, Reb, the Rebel troops have on their... Oh, I can't remember the name of the blaster, but the one that's mocked up on AR-15s or SG-44s, they have stocks. Oh, yeah, so that's maybe that's why they're good shots. The I'm sure that the um, the blasters that they mock up from... Uh, this Another tangent about Star Wars guns. God damn it. Fuck me. I'm sure that the, the Rebels have um, sights on their sterling. Yeah, they have little, well. they have little, like, little sights, don't they? I've never seen them using them, though. But anyway, no, no guns are never run out of ammo. That's a great trope. Mm. Yeah, my totally. friend always made me laugh where he was always like, oh, I'd love to see these 60-foot magazines that war movies have because you never see anyone reload. And I was like, it's true. And Germans who can't hit targets, it's a good one. German snipers always can in movies, though. They always they always. Well, nab. that's it. I was about to say, like, a snipers in movies ne- that never miss. True. Like yeah. the dude in uh, Kelly's Heroes with that Mosin again and uh, the, the sniper in Saving Private Ryan. He doesn't yeah. miss until a, uh, a flat gun. Yeah. Knocks him out. Stay down. Boom. Great scene. He's weird left-handed. Uh, reloading. Oh, that's that, all the hand signals he's giving to... to oh, yeah. He sees Panzer tanks, two of them. Tiger tanks, two of them. And I'm like, but P- Panzer tank... I always... <laughs> I, <laughs> I always laugh at that because I was like, Panzer is shown for tank. So I'm like, I always imagine you go, tank tanks. He sees yeah. tank tanks. Yeah. D- DJS goes with another histo- history-based one. Not a sniff that the American army in World War II was racially segregated. It's very yeah, rarely, very good point. Yeah, quite, you know, rarely shown. I mean, I know there were a couple of movies that touch on it. There's Go for Broke that There's show that one um, about the Red Eye Express as well. 
Red, yeah, Red Bull Express, that's another one. Um, and then there's, a, there's quite a few Korean war movies in the 50s that deal with post-segregation. Um, mm. There's one with Alan Ladd and Sidney uh, Poitier that I always forget the name of. That it, That's oh, what I it deals that with. One. I always think of Porkshop Hill as, as a good one for that. Porkshop Hill as well. Yeah, that's definitely there. I read about it the other day and I and I never, I thought, oh, wow, yeah, that was meant to be coming out. Denzel Washington was meant to be being, was meant to either be directing or starring in a movie about the Red Bull Express. But it, I don't think it's happened yeah. yet. Um, or if it if it was going to happen, it might have missed its window. Um, but that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Hope that didn't fall foul of COVID. No, maybe not. I mean, he's getting he'd be a bit old now to be playing a a, a frontline trooper. So maybe he was going to direct. Um, anyway, um, unbelievable explosions, never ending gunfire, terribly inept enemy tactics. Again, um, that one that comes up a lot. Utter lack of what must be done after the shooting stop. Yeah, kind of agree there. You never, mm. you never really see soldiers just relaxing or chilling out as much um, as you should. I think either, really. There was you're always yeah, on, aren't and, you? And I mean, when it does, it's always used as an opportunity to either contextualize the characters or for a little bit of exposition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You never see anyone like cleaning weaponry after a firefight, like pull with pull throughs. And when you do, it's good though. Yeah, you do. Yeah. It's nice when you see it. But you don't see it very often. And he says his favorite is an insouciant. I mean. I'll cut. I cut out when me and Matt were trying to work out how you pronounce that word. Um, almost always a Brit, but excellent small command leader. Yep, I like it. And then we have Mike uh, Builder Sim on uh, Twitter. He goes, "There is Tex. We call him Tex because he's from Texas." And there's Luigi. He's from Brooklyn, and all he talks about is the Dodgers. And here's Schmitty from Pittsburgh, George from California, Sully from Boston, Stanley from Iowa. It's weird. Like American characters are boiled down to the state they come from. But British characters have boiled down to their class, or, or what? Very they, true. What job very they did true. I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, there isn't a class element with American localized portrayals because they're never they're never shown as as like upper class. You know, like yeah, yeah, that's very true. Uh, don't all see of those like... tropes that were listed off then are all kind of like working class Joes, aren't they? Mm. And you know the one thing really... that you know the one movie that does kind of like flip down its head in a weird way is um, uh, Rough Riders, um, because it, the the th- the four or f- five characters that you follow in that they're all um, rich New Yorkers, mm. oh yeah, uh, like heirs to big money that kind of thing. Yeah, I like the I like what Forrest Gump does with that, where it's mm. like we got text from text and text. So I didn't know where he was from. Always makes me <laughs> laugh. Great line, great writing. Ian Anderson suggests the likable side character, often wearing glasses, possibly religious, has some eccentric quality, and is and or is a friend of the main character and gets killed off by the end. Right. That's another one that Lauren mentioned. Like anyone who wears spectacles either gets them broken or gets killed. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean Ian mentions Cat in All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. Uh, Private Jackson in, in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Bible in Fury, Shia LaBeouf's character. Yeah. Um, Benjamin Bufford Blue, uh, Bubba in Gump, mm-hmm. um, and Danilov in Enemy at the Gates, and they're, they're all true. really good examples. Um, yeah, there are again in, in the latest the All Quiet on the Western Front that happens again, where you know the the chap with the glasses is, the, I think, the first of the the group to, to you know be killed. Be killed off. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe the the filmmakers see you as more. I don't know, it's more hard-hitting or something, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, then we have Campbell goes with Chekhov's gun taken too far. See Memphis Bells, they've only got one wheel down, opening to final landing scene. That's funny. Yeah, that is true. That's too Sometimes. much in that film. They've already gone through way too fucking much oh, I know. I know. On, on their mission. So then when every time I see that, when the... When the uh, I think, oh, no, they can't get the landing gear down. Oh, they're not going to make it. And I'm like... All of the cast who've survived are in the plane. They're going to be fine, right? <laughs> they're not. They're not. Could have been a huge off. curveball, though, Rob. Huh? Could have been a huge curveball. Could have been a huge curveball, but then in a fiery mess. But then you look how long the movie's got left. God knows that happened. Fine. No, it must have done. Yeah. Um, but it's very um, funny. I drink and I know things. Another great Twitter handle um, suggests uh, characters that keep their cigars lit throughout combat sequences. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, and like it's obviously it's a continuity thing, but anyone with a fag in their mouth, like they never accidentally drop it, or it's always perfectly lit. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it always stays mm-hmm. like a little stubby little ciggy in in your mouth. Oh yeah, this is one uh, that I want to ask you about, obviously, because you're you're a uh, firearms uh, historian, so it's your bread and butter. So you might does it annoy you or not? Um, Daniel Michael says. Um, not specific to war movies, but certainly were represented in them. Guns just loudly click every time they move. Yeah, I mean, Danny's got a point there. I mean, you see it in action movies. Anything that involves a gun, he goes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I love it in The Simpsons where they they always show like a double barrel shotgun, and they always like have the pump action sound over it. It's like yes. <laughs> that's, that's one of another my trope. visual audio gags does that um, annoy you though i think that's just a movie trope in general i mean why is this why do we do that anyway is it because it's not... two sides of it isn't there like this the trope of like overly cocking things yeah like, yeah yeah like when you're clearly just ejecting a, like a, a live round for I like this, just, my friends off with that i'm like he's just got rid of a round there what's he doing that for yeah exactly <laughs> i like that that irritates me um yes but if if Danny means like guns that are you know rattling and, and making noise all the time, mm. no, I don't. I, I always think that's a nice inclusion in in like the you know the foley side of things. Like they've thought. Oh, about you like that? Okay. I always think it's funny. Kit. I just think it's a funny thing, like getting a piss like. <laughs> what the what? Oh no! It's got to be. It's got to like. It's got to be like sounds that would make sense. So like drawing it from a holster, like the oh, rattle okay. of it. Against it's like a vis- It's like an audio little sort of sound. Cue, like it can't be it, they pull brain. the pistol and then it makes the sound of it. I've heard that though without I've... them doing it. But That's I've had that ridiculous. In, like, someone's like put a pistol up to someone and it makes like a click sound. Yeah. No. That's, that's bad. It's so weird. I like. I like that though. I quite like that trope. I like that personally. I like that one. It's a good trope. It's a funny trope, but it's a bit irritating. Hmm. Uh, we've got a uh, Bill 1940 medal campaign again says stolen uniforms always fit perfectly. I like that. Very too. good. That's very true. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Will says banging and and, guns yeah. and Averone. Yeah. That's a good one for that one. Um, um, the, the, um, oh, uh, oh, to Brooke. To Brooke. Yeah. To Brooke again. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I was trying. I was like, I remember you said Guns and Averone. I always get Guns and Averone mixed up with where he was there. For some yeah, reason, yeah, uh, yeah. In my yeah, head, there's a vibe. There's anyway. a vibe. There's a through vibe. Um, then we have uh, Will goes with banging a magazine on the helmet. That's in a lot of Norm films, like Apocalypse Now. Is a lot. I know. I mean, is there I know a reason the... for it? There yeah, is, it's to seat the rounds into the magazine. Like that's it. We've the talked about the this idea before. is that you you tap the back of the magazine and the the rounds will align and sit uh, against the back, so they'll in theory feed. It looks reliably. cool as well for your character to it be does doing. Look, it does look cool. Um, yeah. And I always wondered whether it was it was kind of coming off the back of you know the the Japanese hand grenades that they primed by banging them. All those things, yeah. 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 I always wonder whether someone grenades fizzing that. as well. That's another trope. Grenades like some do. Some, some do fizz, like, do they? Yeah, it depends oh. on the kind of fuse, but not many. Um okay. it really does depend on the kind of fuse there. But so there were some of your tropes. Thanks for getting involved, everyone. I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours. Um, really there. Some really good we can ones. always do another one of these. We thought we'd end. Um, I'll ask Matt his favourite and his worst, and then he'll do the same for me. So, Matt, your favorite trope. My favorite is um, the sociopath psychopath mm-hmm. character. So we've got um, Sabalas as maggot in Dirty Dozen, uh, Animal Mother in Full Metal Jacket, um, Barnes in Platoon, yep. um, Spears in Band of Brothers almost, mm-hmm. um, Trombley in uh, Generation Kill. And arguably, I think one that's interesting is uh, Lawrence in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh yes, where he kind of, yeah. where he kind of like begins to enjoy doing the carnage. What he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene, yeah. The, basically the chain ambush scene, where he, you know, kind of I like, becomes I get an it, yeah. I like for that. Um, I I watched it the other day. Um, listeners will will have seen. Um. But Beach Red, Rip Torn, plays a grizzled sergeant in that. And he's like the stereotypically mm. grizzled sergeant. It, that film's interesting. It, it feels like an exploration of tropes. Um, so he's very much like 
the, the captain tells him at one point in the movie that he shouldn't be killing just to kill. And Rip Torn just basically says to him, well, I don't agree with that, sir. I'm going to kill. I like killing. He's like, I'll kill again. <laughs> literally, literally his whole arc, <laughs> pretty much. I will kill again. He's great in that. Um, for me, my favourite trope um, is Patton Tanks filling in for yes. any tank in any war movie. I yes. absolutely love it. There's something about it. There are endless examples. Beach Red does it. Anzio mm. does it. Pick a 50s war movie that there'll be a pattern. Battle of the Bulge does it is the Battle worst the Bulge does it because um, the Spanish had them. Oh, and that giant silver pattern that it gets shown is my favourite part of that film. So there's a train of thought for me. In the 50s, I think if you're getting a Department of Defence assistant, then you, you get pattern tanks given to you because it's what they've got. And then yeah. on the other hand, it's like, well, in, at that time, weren't Sherman's being like scrapped and things like that. I always think there's a reason for this. It's not it's not because they couldn't get them. It's it's not because no, they it's didn't what was available. It's because they can easily get available. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just love it. I just like seeing it. It's, it's like comforting. I just do I don't know why. You know, it's it's um Yeah, it's just, I mean it's, that's it's, what made me laugh about um Zisu was you know the fact they included that um see and I like tank. that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I, that I and I it, the eternal argument it's the it's, the it's it's the wrong bloody tank trope, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of almost the same as the pattern. Some people literally just go, well, I, the tank's wrong, so I can't watch the movie now. And I'm like, what? What do you no, mean? No. Like, if we, you wouldn't watch a war film if if you didn't like the fact that one thing was wrong. You didn't watch them. Very, very true. I mean, you, know, you can become too obsessed with these things, I think. Yeah, um, and I think that's why we love no, the tropes. With accounting for the, for the dark side, almost. Yeah, you, can, you lean too far in and then you start mm. hating it. Every thing, every piece of media on what on whatever level. What about worst tropes? So worst trope for me, and I, and this is more of a trope in overall cinema because I just find it funny and it annoys me. Where characters will be whispering for the benefit of the audience, but the whisper is a talking tone, like loud whisper. <laughs> so you yeah. got like, hey, like soldiers over there, like you know, just trying to you know, sort mm-hmm. of example. Mm-hmm. But it it might as well be me saying there's soldiers over there. You would yeah. definitely hear it. it. It's just a trope yeah. that I don't enjoy because I know it's just for my benefit. And I'm like, yeah, but the persons with an earshot, they'd hear they'd hear you. Like it's just it, it always makes me chuckle. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Sorry, and another one, and it's one we've talked about a lot, is ending cards of what happens to the characters if they're fictional. Oh. I can't yeah, stand it. I'm like, so they don't really exist. It doesn't matter. Like, they're not real people. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Don't do it. Yeah, That's totally. actually no scratch whispering. That is my hate, most hated trope. <laughs> Trying to make me overly care about a fictional character's after movie life. In the 90 minutes, that's their life to me. They don't exist outside that 90 minutes. I don't care. Yeah, it's films assuming that you really, really love the character that much that you need yeah. to know what happened to them for the rest of their life. I remember when I watched Football Factory for the first time and it did it. And I'm like, I don't fucking care what Danny Dyer and his gang of cliched hooligans do after this movie. Like, you worry that the director was thinking you are insane if you think anyone cares about these people afterwards. Mine is trying to disguise quarries as not quarries. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> but you love it though see we say we hate these things but we love it as well it's a guilty pleasure that one um just just like i mean i couldn't believe the covenant did it to us like oh that, yeah a, that was so egregious a, yeah it had a quarry combat scene and i was just like god damn it it, it lives on it really did yeah. and none of the guns you're using are actually live so like there's no possibility <laughs> yeah. of like pyro or like firearms like no, no one's gonna hurt to themselves yeah fired into a safe direction or something yeah yeah oh there's a trope we haven't talked about as well people doing shaky gun so they can put it on Ooh. after effects that's shaky gun that's yeah. a cool thing that's yeah. an emerging trope last 10 15 years yeah, since CGI squibs and stuff. In, in the wake of I mean, the way the industry seems to be going now, in the wake of the Ross incident, is that less mm-hmm. a, supposedly? I don't know who's picked this up and who's running with it, but supposedly that that films are going to be using less real weapons, and any film that uses real firearms gets this piece written about them going, the mo- movie makers defend the controversial decision to have firearms in their movies, and I'm like, well, if your movie's got guns in it. What can you do? You can see what the end game of that will be. It'll be in like 10 years time. It'll be 
exit director brings back firearms on set. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like a like a big renaissance moment. Uh, it'll be moment. fucking Nolan, won't it? It'll make a biopic about Winchester or something. It'll be it'll be <laughs> Winchester walking around. Going, oh yeah, what it, have it I done? I've made a repeating carbine that's going to destroy the world for like an hour and a half. We love to hate these tropes, don't we? And this is why we thought that we do this whole kind of mm. episode going through them a little bit because as much as we can say, oh, I hate that. Oh, that really pisses me off when I watch that movie but they but make does, the experience don't they it's, it does make fun spotting yeah exactly which is why we've done the trope tally in a couple of, ep- of, uh, of episodes yeah. but yeah I mean also it was a nice excuse to get some interaction from you guys if yeah, you don't exactly. already follow us on Facebook Twitter threads yeah. OnlyFans Instagram definitely go and find us we're on all of them as uh, fighting on film you can find me on Letterboxd as well um, I've dropped yeah, the Rob's on down there um, um, just, just search my name it'll come up if you want to but yeah, so as always, thanks for joining us again for some more War Movie Chat. Next week will probably be a regular review. But, you know, as Matt said, do keep abreast of the social media um, and the ever-changing world of social media at the moment um, for all of your War Movie updates, threads and X, Y, Z and the other. So, uh, yeah, again, thanks for listening. Uh, do catch the entire back catalogue of the show on fightingonfilm.com. We'll drop us a review on whatever you're listening on. We always appreciate it. And we'll catch you again next week for some more Fighting On Film. Bye, guys. Bye. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.